All right, let's uh, open up our copies of God's Word and turn to Luke chapter 13. I'm excited to be back in the pulpit. Uh, it was nice to have a little bit of a break last week, and I hope that you were encouraged by uh, Dan and his words on faithfulness. Uh, and uh, today we'll be talking a little bit about that, but a little bit of a different perspective. Um, today we'll be talking about the parable of the narrow door. The parable of the narrow door. Let's turn to Luke 13, uh, starting at verse 22. And we will read through verse 30, and then we will pray, and then we will study it together. He went on his way through towns and villages, he being Jesus, teaching and uh, journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, verse 24, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house is risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. Let us pray. God in heaven, we do come before you once again to glorify you for your word. Uh, Lord, we give you praise for uh, the Bible that you have preserved for us, that we can read from the Gospel of Luke this morning and study it and know that it comes from you, know that it is perfect. And Lord, because it comes from you, it has a purpose. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what that purpose is today, that we would be built up in the faith uh, from what we talk about here this morning. Uh, I pray that you just be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, today we live in an interesting time. Uh, we see the news, we see things that are happening around the world, and it could be a little bit of a scary thing. And I, I think it really stems down to, to one key idea. Uh, the world is all about being inclusive, right? Um, you know, we, we see it uh, today, um, whether it's on Facebook and you friend everyone, right? And if you don't accept that friend request, uh, you're being mean. Uh, we see that. Uh, we see it with what is happening in the, uh, the area of gender roles uh, and LGBTQ issues. We want to be inclusive. All right? uh, we don't want to put anyone on the outside or make anyone feel like an outsider. Um, we, we see it even in philosophy. All right, uh, in our universities and in our schools, we are, we are taught that truth is relative. Why, why, do, why is that a, a thing that's being taught today? Well, because you can't say someone's wrong, right? You, you can't be that arrogant to say that you are the one who holds truth, the one who holds knowledge that is accurate, and those who would have a different view, that those people are wrong. Uh, we, don't, we don't get to say that today. Because we live in this society that's all about being inclusive. We want everyone to have a place. 
Everyone to uh, be on the inside, if, uh, if that's a, a proper way to say that. Everyone on the inside, and no one feels like an outsider. No one is left out. Um, it's, it's why bullying is uh, the number one thing that, that uh, society is targeting in our schools. Uh, and by the way, that's, that's a good thing. I'm not saying that uh, we, should, we should have bullies and things like that. But uh, th- that's why. It's because we always want to be inclusive, to let everyone in. Uh, if someone wants to be on, uh, on a certain, uh, certain sports team, yeah, you come on in. Yeah, we know. You've never played basketball in your life. Uh, but you can be on the team, right? We, we're all about being inclusive. Uh, yet, uh, we, we see that the Word of God is quite the opposite of that. Uh, we, we see that the Word of God is very exclusive. That it has a, a certain meaning. Uh, behind things. It is not just you can say whatever you want with the Word of God. It has a specific meaning. Uh, and there are, because it's specific, there are things that are left out. And that's what Jesus is looking at today. Uh, so we are looking at this idea of the, the narrow gate, uh, the narrow door, your Bible might say. And so as we look at parables like we've done the last uh, few weeks over I think this is number four or five uh, in, our, in our series on the parables. We have to understand why, right? We always want to ask that question. Why is Jesus saying this parable? Why is Jesus giving us uh, this story? What is he trying to communicate? We have to understand why. Verse 22, uh, Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. All right, so he's, he's going toward Jerusalem. This is always the thing, by the way. Uh, we, we see it constantly throughout the book of Luke. Uh, we see that the, um, uh, that the Samaritans get really mad because he has his face uh, turned towards Jerusalem. Uh, the idea here is Jesus, uh, that Luke is always trying to record Jesus as having been on a mission. Right? He's always headed towards Jerusalem. That's his goal. He is going to seek and to save how? Through his death, burial, and resurrection. So that is always the, the looming shadow, if you will, uh, of what Jesus is going to do. So as he's journeying, and he's traveling, and he's talking to different towns, and he's teaching the gospel, or uh, the way that they would put it back then, uh, teaching about the kingdom of God, uh, he, he is always having that in the back of his mind, right? Always going to Jerusalem. So as he is doing that, as he's traveling around, verse 23, this is why we have the parable. And someone said to him, we don't know who it was, uh, 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 we don't know if it's a Pharisee or uh, an opponent of Jesus, it's just some random guy. He asked, Lord, will those who, uh, who are saved be few? Why would he ask such a question? Well, because Jesus is always thinning the crowd, right? We talked about that. We talked about that when we were talking about the seeds, uh, the parable of the soil, all right? Uh, how uh, Jesus is constantly giving harsh language of uh, pick up your cross daily and follow me, things like that. If you, if you love me, you must hate your mother and father. In other words, your, your love for me should make your love for your parents look like hatred. That's how much you should love me. All right, so he's saying those harsh things. He's always thinning the crowd. He gets a large group of people because they all want to see a miracle, they all want to be a, a part of this uh, uh, excitement, this, uh, uh, you know, in, they want to be included uh, in this excitement. And, and Jesus is always saying something harsh to, to thin out the crowd to see who the real followers are. 
All right, and so as he does that, people are beginning to look around and say, where are all the people? Right? Uh, you know, we, we, we expected, like uh, we talked about on, uh, on um, um, uh, Palm Sunday, that, that uh, all those people who came into Jerusalem at, at the gate and they were wanting to crown him right then, right? Because they had expectations that Jesus was coming to sit on the throne of David right then at that physical time and place and, and rule and, and elevate the nation of Israel to be the, the power in the world. They had that expectation. And so people have those expectations even here, and they're, they're looking around and saying, well, this is not meeting my expectations. Uh, where are all the people? Where are all the followers? Uh, this, this guy is supposed to be the Messiah. Where, where is everyone? So they asked Jesus the question, will only a few be saved? Now, it's interesting that Jesus doesn't just say yes. Uh, by, by the way, the answer is yes. We're going to see it very clearly. He's going to go uh, from uh, verses 24 through 30, basically giving what he could have just said in one word. Yes, only a few people will be saved. But it's interesting how he does it. He doesn't just answer the question of this person. He personalizes it. Look what he says. He says, strive to enter through the narrow door. He's talking to them. You know, this guy was just asking like this hypothetical question, right? Will only a few people be saved? He's probably thinking, well, I'm on the inside, right? And I'm looking around. I'm seeing there's not a lot of people here. So hypothetically, are only just a few of us going to be saved? And Jesus looks at this person and he says it to them. So there are a few here. And he says to them, strive to enter the narrow door. So if we're here this morning and we're thinking, you know, as we look around even in Saskatoon and we see people who uh, are leaders in churches who are not preaching the gospel, uh, we look around and say, are we, are we the only ones? Well, look at this. Strive to enter the narrow door. Let's personalize this today. Strive to enter the narrow door. You strive. Now, that's the implication that you would strive to enter through the narrow door. All right, so let, let's talk about then. Uh, this this narrow door. Now, what is it? Uh, well, uh, we see that it's going to lead to life. All right. Uh, we see later on that he's talking about the kingdom. Um, uh, he's talking essentially about about salvation. Uh, so this narrow door is the way that leads to life. So what is that door then? Well, whenever we're looking at a passage, and unlike uh, you know, the parable of the soils where Jesus gave the commentary. Uh, we, we don't have the commentary here, right, from Jesus. So we have to take other scripture and help us to understand uh, what, what this passage is saying. So what is the narrow door? Well, uh, who, what is the way that leads to eternal life? Well, it's Jesus. It's Jesus himself. All right, we, we see that very clearly in scripture. John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And that, by the way, is a direct response to a question from Thomas. When Jesus says, I'm going away and I'm going to uh, prepare a place for you. And uh, there are going to be many rooms and all of that. And we get that idea of mansions, uh, by the way, uh, that that is us 
uh, taking what we know today and talking about mansions and applying it to that passage. Jesus talks about one building with a lot of rooms. So not everyone's going to have uh, their own personal mansions. All right, but uh, he's saying there's many rooms in this place. And Thomas asks him the question, John 14. He says, uh, how will we know the way? What is the way to get there? You're going and I want to be with you. So how do I get there? And that's the response there. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the way that leads to eternal life. All right, we see that also in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, uh, when Peter says that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We see here that Jesus is the door. And there's only one. There's one door. Very much like when we talked about the seed uh, and, the, and the soils. There's many different kinds of soils. All right, uh, the, the ones amongst the rocks, the ones amongst the thorns, the one that is good, all those things. There's many soils, but there's one seed. And here, he's saying that there is one door. It's exclusive. Uh, number one in the back of your bulletins, the gospel is exclusive. What do we mean by that? Well, we mean that it's very specific. It specifically means one thing. There's, there's only one Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. No other name given among men by which we must be saved. It's only through Jesus that there's salvation. That's why he says it's a narrow door. It's not big. All right? uh, it's not big so lots of people can get through. It's not big so uh, even if you look in the, your bulletins, I, I took out a quote from H.A. Uh, Ironside. He says, the door into the kingdom of God still stands open, but it is a narrow door. None can pass through that door with their sins upon them. But as Christ himself is the door, we may find in him deliverance from our sins and thus enter into the way of life. You can't enter in with all this stuff. Uh, all, all of uh, these bags, you know, this week we were, we were traveling around. And uh, uh, parents, you know, with little ones, uh, you know, it used to be that I just had one bag. I just had one bag to carry, and it was just mine. And or if it was just me and Heather before we had kids, it, you know, we still only had one bit, uh, one bag. Maybe it was bigger. All right, but we'd fit everything into that, and so going into a hotel wasn't very hard, right? You just have one bag to carry. Uh, well, today with our, our kids, you know, you have their clothes, their toys, their backup toys, their diapers. You know, all all of those kinds of things. And you have so many bags, and I was carrying all these bags through these narrow hallways. And I'm a big guy, right? I got broad shoulders, so I'm carrying all this stuff, and I'm just banging into everything. And, and uh, you know, I have to go like this sometimes with all these bags and trying to get through uh, the, these narrow hallways and these narrow doors. Uh, that, that's what Jesus is talking about. It's a, it's a narrow door. He can't take everything. Now, that's very against what culture says today, right? Uh, you hear from Oprah, Right, uh, most uh, lovable lady there is, right on TV. Uh, at least used to be. Now she's got her own network, right? So people haven't heard of her in a couple of years, uh, unless you got cable. But uh, anyways, she she's promoted it many times. She's had Deepak Chopra come on her show and talk about uh, spirituality and that there are many ways to God. Right, that, that that's what culture says. There are many ways. We see it even today with Islam. Well, you worship the same God. You just call them different names. By the way, uh, uh, 
this is one of the things I really hate about C.S. Lewis when he writes in his Chronicles of Narnia. He actually believed uh, a very similar idea there. Um, but uh, we, we know that there is one way, and it's very specific. It's very narrow. And some of us, we try to make that door wider. You know, maybe, maybe we understand that it's narrow, uh, that it's very specific, that it's only through Jesus that there's salvation, that there's only one gospel. But we try to make that door wider, and we, we try to implement uh, other, other ideas, whether it's uh, uh, German higher criticism, uh, of looking at God's word and saying, well, it doesn't really mean what it, uh, you think it means, or uh, you're, you're looking at uh, Islam and saying, well, it's the same religion, and uh, you, know, you, can, you can implement all those things, or looking at Catholicism and saying, well, we basically believe the same things. Let's just make that door a little bit wider and everyone can get through. The thing is, we don't have the power to do that. The door is there. It's already built, and there's no widening. It is a very narrow door. The gospel is exclusive. Jesus gives a very similar thought in Matthew chapter 7, uh, where he talks about the narrow gate. And he talks about it in comparison to the wider gate. Uh, that, that many go through the wider gate. Uh, there's, there's variation there. There's, uh, you know, as you go through a wider area, you see a lot more difference in uh, people and uh, thoughts out there and uh, different scenery and things like that. And the, the idea here is that this is very specific. This is not a varied worldview, but a small one. And it's okay. It's okay to have a small worldview. You know, today in our culture, we want to expand our minds, right? And we want to keep our minds open. Uh, I think it's a, there, there's a bumper sticker somewhere, somewhere to the effect of, you know, keep an open mind, but not so open that everything falls out. Uh, th that's what we need. Yes, we can, we can have communication with people and talk about uh, some things and, and, and debate and things like that. That's fine. But when we have such an open mind that we're trying to make that door wider, that we're trying to have this varied worldview, that's not what Christians are called to have. Uh, we are to have a small worldview. And this small worldview is true. It is the proper worldview to have. Uh, not, not just to, to be open with everyone and to believe what all the world uh, teaches us, what is there in universities, what is there uh, in culture, on TV, and movies, all of that in books, whatever Rob Bell is teaching today, things like that. No, our, our worldview is to be very small because it is a narrow door. Or as Jesus says in Matthew 7, it's a narrow gate. And wide is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. We are to have a small worldview, but a true one. Now, this, the idea here, he says, is verse 24, to, well, that we are to strive to enter. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Uh, the word strive is actually the word that we get agonized from. Agonizo. All right, uh, we, it's painful. It's hard. It's difficult. Uh, even in Matthew 7, in the uh, comparing uh, gospel, it, it says that uh, the, the way to eternal life is narrow and it's hard, it's difficult. Going through that, that narrow door, having that small worldview can be difficult. Uh, it's difficult and not that we have to work to get in. 
That's not the idea, okay? If you're, if you're thinking, well, this is talking about working your way to salvation. Strive to enter the narrow gate. Strive to enter the narrow door. That's not what he's talking about. Getting saved is hard. Uh, not because you have to do something or you have to work really hard to get in, but you must admit that you can't. That, that, that's why getting saved is so difficult. That's why preaching the gospel to people is such a difficult thing. And maybe, maybe you've been there and you've been talking to someone in your life, a family member, a relative, uh, you know, a, a, a friend of the family, something like that, or just maybe even a stranger, and you're sharing the gospel with them. And it is so difficult. Uh, so difficult to uh, you, you give them the gospel and they're just not, there's nothing happening there. There's, uh, you know, they just totally reject it. Why? Because it's super hard. It's, it's incredibly difficult to be saved. Not because you have to work hard, but you have to admit that there's nothing you can do to save yourself. That's why it's so difficult. Uh, that, that's why so many people have to come to that rock bottom. And maybe even in this room, you, you've been there when you, you got saved. Maybe it was an experience like that where you had just hit the complete rock bottom. Everything went wrong in your life before you can admit to God that you have no way to save yourself and you need Jesus. It's hard. It's difficult. And you have to strive. And because it's difficult and because it's exclusive, many will not enter uh, it says that, uh, verse 24, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Uh, the idea there is desire. Maybe your Bible, I think King James says desire. Um, the idea is it's a mere wish. It'd be nice to get in. It'd be nice to get in, but I'm not going to, uh, you know, come to that moment of repentance. There's, I'm not going to strive for it. It would be nice to get in, but eh, I could do without as well. Uh, they will try to enter, they will seek to enter, they will desire to enter, but they will not be able because they won't be able to repent. They won't be able to say that, yes, this door is narrow. There, there is one gospel that Jesus demands repentance. And because of that, uh, there is danger. There is danger. This narrow door, it is good. And we'll see how it is good here in a few moments. But it is also a dangerous door. Uh, we'll see in verse 25. When once the master of the house has risen and has shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, and he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. So here's the danger. Uh, that door is open right now, but it won't be open forever. It won't be open forever. That door will shut. And when the master, who's the master? It's Jesus. And when the master of the house and the door uh, is open, he will get up at some point and he will close it. Now, if Jesus closes something, uh, it's closed. No one's going to be able to get through. If God is the one who does something, no man can thwart his plan. All right, so one day, that's why we have the Great Commission, why we need to be so, uh, uh, not passive with it, be passionate with the gospel and going out and reaching people, is because right now that door is open, but someday that door is going to close. And we have to be ready 
And right now, and telling people about this narrow door, this way of salvation that is currently open. Uh, it's a lot like uh, you know the SGA they're meeting this week, and we had Bill Ball here. And what was what was the motto that they have for uh, reaching Russia? Reach Russia now, right? Because currently you can go. There are ways to get in to get the gospel there, but they know as an organization that those uh, because of. Uh, uh, legal things that are happening that that door is going to shut and so their their whole motto right now is reach Russia now it should be for us today reach Saskatoon now because that door will shut at some point and Jesus is going to shut that so don't wait and there's danger here some will be left out some will be left outside uh, we see that it's very exclusive for those who will come in uh, there are going to be those who will begin to stand outside and to knock at the door. They will want to get in, but it will be too late. Uh, we don't know exactly what, what is the reasoning for this, if they're just truly not repentant or, or what is happening with them. But that door is shut, and they're trying to knock on it, and they're saying, Lord, Lord, let me in. And what does the Master say to them? Well, he says, I don't know where you come from. All right, well, uh, if someone knocks at your door, at your front door, at your house, what are you going to do? Well, if you're a normal, reasonable person, you will look through the window first, right? That's, that's what you do. Uh, if you have a glass uh, window on your, on, on your door, you'll look through that. Or maybe as on your way down to the door there, you'll, you'll look outside and see if you can see a car or see who it is, right? You always want to know who that person is before you let them into your house. Right? You don't know who that, that stranger is. They could be there for good reasons or for bad reasons. And you, as the, the steward of your home, need to understand who is there. And so the idea here, the parable here, the story, is that the master, who is Jesus, we know because what they're about to say to him, all right, that he is going to say, I don't know where you come from. In other words, I don't know who you are. Uh, how sad for those standing outside for Jesus to say something like this to them. I don't know you. And what do they say? Well, of course you know us. All right, verse 26. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. Yeah, you know us. We were with you. We ate together. We had a meal together. We drank together. We, you, you were preaching in our streets. That's why it's Jesus, because Jesus was the one who was there uh, preaching in the streets, right? All right, so we, we know it's Jesus, and, and they're saying, well, we knew you. We saw you. Uh, when you did that miracle, I was there. Being in the presence or around God, and this is in the back of your bulletins, being in the presence of of God or in the church even does not equate belief in God. Many people were around Jesus. All those followers, I'll put it like that, followers who, who saw the miracles, who were present around Jesus' ministry, uh, not all of them continued, right? I mean, look at Judas. Right? One in, in the inner circle didn't even believe. So being around Jesus or even in the church does not equate belief. And for them here saying, uh, you know, we, we ate with you, we drank with you, you preached in our streets, we were in your presence. 
But they didn't know him. They didn't know him. This, this was my story for 10 years of my life. I know I was say fairly young, but uh, when, when I was 10 years old, I, I knew everything before I got saved. I, I'm, I'm, maybe this is prideful, but I could win against anyone in this room with a Bible trivia uh, thing. Uh, I, I was a very smart kid. I knew a lot about God's word. I knew a lot about Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with him. Not at all until I repented of my sin and trusted in Him as my Savior when I was 10 years old. That's what the idea here is. These people have never done that. They know a lot about Him. They were there. They saw the miracles. They, they, they heard the teaching. They were present. But what does God say to Him? Verse 27, But He will say some of the, the saddest words in all the Bible. I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Maybe your Bible says, I do not know who you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Depart from me. Get out. Don't, don't stay at the door. You're not getting in. Depart from me. I never knew you. We didn't have a relationship. I'm not letting you into my home. I'm not going to give you the peace and comfort that comes from being in the kingdom of God. We don't have a relationship. I preach in the streets. You didn't listen. Depart from me. Get out. You workers of iniquity. Uh, your Bible might say evil or unrighteousness. Uh, they, they sin. That's what they're depicted of. They're, they're sinners who never repent. So get, get away from me, because we know that God is holy, and Jesus is God, so Jesus is holy. And He cannot stand to be in the presence of sin. That's why He died on the cross, so that we could be saved from our sin, declared righteous, or as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, justified. And we could be in His presence. But because they have never done that, He says, depart from me. We don't have a relationship. Now, if they don't get through the narrow door. All right, if, they, if, they, if you see the idea, the picture there of people on the outside knocking on this narrow door to get into the kingdom of God, all right, to get into the house, if you will. All right, they're, they're knocking there, and Jesus is saying, depart from me, you're not coming in. Where do they go? Where are they to go? Well, out of Jesus' presence. And what, what is that? What does that look like? He says in verse 28, In that place, so away from Jesus, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is, uh, this is Matthew's favorite expression to understand uh, what hell looks like. He says it many times, and this is really the only occurrence that we have in the Gospel of Luke. But Matthew says it over and over and over again. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does it mean? Well, exactly what you would think. It's sadness and pain. Uh, this is not a joyful experience. Uh, the way that people live today with being inclusive and just believing what, whatever is out there or even trying to make that door wider and uh, take that gospel and uh, pervert it with other things. That's what uh, Paul says. It. It's a perversion all right, when you add to the gospel. They take all those things and it seems good, but what is the end? What is the end? Only sadness 
and pain. And this is in the back of your notes there. All the pain and distress. He's talking about hell here. All the pain and the distress of hell is an effect of being out of the presence of Jesus. Out of Jesus' presence. And that's what he says. Depart from me. And in that place, out, out of his presence, away from Jesus, this is what it's like. You know, people, people think, well, I'll, I'll, you know, like you even see, see you in hell. People say that all the time. Uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Han Solo says it. Well, it's not going to be a party. It's not going to be fun. It's not just have fun here and you know, you'll deal with the consequences later. This is why it's so severe. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's sadness. It's pain. It's distress. And it's because they are out of the presence of Jesus. And here we have an interesting thought here. Because yes, it's a parable. But then we have things like what, um, uh, what Jesus talks about later uh, with the, uh, the man who, who uh, is uh, in, in the presence of, of Abraham and he's uh, and then there's another one who's, who's in hell and wants water and uh, we, we don't know if that's a parable. So we don't know what exactly he's talking about here, whether this is uh, something you will see those people, whether those who are out of the presence of Jesus will be able to see, we don't know. We don't have any any uh, clue to that other than these these uh, metaphors and these stories. But here he says uh, that uh, verse 28, talking about that place, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, and you will see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets uh, in the kingdom of God, but you yourself cast out. All right. So for those who are going to uh, not be able to enter through that narrow door, who will not repent. Uh, who Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Uh, they go out of the presence of Jesus. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and they will see. They will see their ancestors. The people who believed. The heroes of the faith. Even as we see in Hebrews 11. The, uh, all these, uh, uh, this uh, hall of faith. All these great men and, uh, and women too who had faith. In God, And they see guys like this, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, and they see them in the kingdom of God. All right, they were able to get through that narrow door. All right, but he, or this person, is not. He says, you yourselves cast out. Now, this is important for us to remember. He's talking to Jews. He's talking to Jews. He's not in Samaria. Uh, he's not, uh, you know, in Corinth or some other uh, Greek place. He's there in Israel and he's talking to Israelites and he's saying you know your heroes of the faith who you look up to who you say that you follow they believed in God and as Paul says uh, that that faith um, that that was imputed righteousness right? that the, the righteousness of Christ was imputed to Abraham and to others who had faith and so they get through that narrow door but these people these Israelites are cast out. It's very exclusive. The gospel is very exclusive, even those who think that they are following, uh, that they know Jesus, because they're around people who know Jesus. Uh, they go to church. Uh, they, they, they're involved in that Bible study, but they've never repented of their sin and trust in Jesus Christ. 
That's these people. You yourselves cast out. Verse 29. This is, this is where things begin to shift. Because everything to this point has been the gospel is exclusive. Over and over and over again. Narrow door. Only some will get in. Right? Uh, the, even to answer the question, only a few will be saved. Exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. But the gospel is so unique, so beautiful, so, uh, so wonderful that it's exclusive. But it is also at the same time, and not in contradiction to its exclusivity, it is inclusive. Look what he says, verse 29. And people will come from where? From east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. So yes, the gospel is exclusive. It's a very specific thing and you need to believe in Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection in order to be saved. That's true. You cannot mix it with anything else. And it's exclusive in that way. But anyone can believe it. Anyone. You don't have to be just an Israelite. From north to south, from east to west, all over the world, people will come through this narrow door and recline at table in very con- in, uh, contradiction to what is outside of the presence of Jesus. Right? The weeping and gnashing of teeth. They recline at table. They're having a, a good time. There's peace. There's joy there. There's satisfaction. And it's all in the presence of Jesus. And all these people... Anyone, anyone, doesn't matter what your race, your background, what you've been through, what you've done, doesn't matter. Anyone can enter through that narrow door while it is open. While it is open. That is the key. So up, up to this point, the gospel is, is exclusive. But number four, the gospel is for everyone. No one is left out. Anyone can be saved. God is not willing that any should perish. And this was in uh, contradiction to the Old Testament. No longer was a certain people group, right? There is no salvation outside of Israel in the Old Testament. And now through Jesus, he has opened up the entryway. That narrow door is open and anyone can enter in if they repent. And they will find rest and enjoyment. And then there's this interesting thing that people take out of context all the time. You know, you, you hear that all the time. The last will be first and the first will be last, right? Uh, we usually, bigger guys, we say that when we're in a race. Right? <laughs> well, last will be first. <laughs> what does he mean? Well, he's talking to Jews. And he's basically saying here, you will be surprised who's going to be there in the kingdom. You know, you think it's only for you. Uh, The Israelites, they thought, well, it's just for us. But Jesus is going to open up that narrow door and people from everywhere will be able to come in. And he's saying, the last, in other words, the Gentiles, they'll be able to come in. And maybe you, the Israelites, uh, specific Israelites who didn't believe that you won't be able to get in. You will be surprised who gets in and who is left out. I think that's true in our life as well. Uh, you will be surprised when you get to heaven and see who is there. Maybe, maybe that person that you thought, man, 
there was ever a Christian, it had to be them, right? They were at all the Bible studies. They were at all these things. They were doing all these things. They might not be there. And those people who you might look at and say, I'm not going to waste my time talking with them. There's no way that they're going to receive the gospel. Maybe they're there. That door is narrow. It is exclusive. It is specific. But it is open for anyone who would believe in Jesus Christ. Now, for us today who, um, you know, the application is pretty clear that uh, if you've never believed in Jesus Christ, now is the time because that door is open and someday it will be shut. And now, uh, as Paul says, now is the day of salvation. But at the same time, for us, uh, for us who have already believed in that gospel, we need to protect it. As Jude says, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We as a church, we are under attack. Uh, you as a Christian, you're under attack. By the, by the world, by philosophies that are out there, by churches who claim to be like-minded. Who, who are saying that there is this gospel and mixing it in with other things that are out there. We will have to take a stand. And say that this door is narrow. Don't make it wider. Because you can't. And those who might think that they're going to get in with adding all these other things. Jesus will say to them. Depart from me you workers of evil. I never knew you. And we must treasure that. We must protect that. And let that fill us with worship. Look at how hard salvation is. And if Jesus has worked in your life to where you've believed in Him and you've repented of your sin, give Him glory for that. It is a narrow door. It is a small group. Those, uh, when, when they ask Him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Yes. And you're one of them. Praise the Lord for that. Give Him glory in your life for that. So the questions to ask ourselves is, do we see the beauty of the gospel? That it is exclusive and it is very specific in what it means and what it is about. But it is also inclusive in that anyone can believe in it. All, all who believe will be saved. And then are we trying to make that door wider? Maybe even in our own lives. We can talk about other people. right? It's easy to go and just say, well that church or that teacher. And we could even name names and, and talk about Rob Bell and other uh, theologians that are out there. Uh, Philip Yancey, other, other people uh, who, who um, take that gospel and try to make that door wider. We could do that. But are we doing it? Do we understand the gospel? Maybe we believed in it, but are we contending for it? Do we know what it is and what it isn't? When we look at things like uh, the Roman Catholic Church and how we deal with them, do we understand that what they say about justification uh, what the Roman Catholic Church teaches about justification. Do we understand that that's different? Do we understand that's not the gospel? Do we treasure the gospel? And then are we telling others about that gospel? With urgency. We only have so much time. We only have so much time on this earth, we know that. Right? Like... Uh, you know, I, I feel it in my body as I get older. 
right? I was talking about going around and, and uh, uh, traveling around. Uh, on Wednesday, I was out. Uh, you know, we, we had gone and we had traveled. I, I preached in Moose Jaw on Sunday night, went over to Monday, had a meeting with pastors. Uh, Tuesday, we were doing all kinds of things with the fam. And then Wednesday, we went over to Swift Current and I went over and uh, was talking with uh, my buddy, Pastor Mike Duguay, and looking at their kids' ministry. And then after, I was out. And I, I understand I'm getting older. And we, we feel that, right? We know that. We know that time is limited in our own life. But then there's also a limitation of we don't know when Jesus is coming back. It's in our, uh, it's in our statement of belief uh, that we, we live like we know uh, that the rapture is coming, that, that Jesus is coming. And we know here in this verse, in this, in this passage, that that door at some point will be shut. Are we living like it is? Are we telling people about the gospel? Are we living righteously before them so that they understand what that gospel is? The gate is narrow and few are those who find it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I do give you glory this morning for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that can save and transform anyone. Uh, even a, a, wretched, a wretched sinner like me. You, you can take me and, because of the gospel, make me new. I am a new creature because of Jesus Christ. Lord, you can take anyone and transform them into the image of Jesus Christ through that gospel. I pray that we would be good stewards of that gospel. As Paul says to Timothy, that you have been entrusted with that gospel. I pray that we would hold it precious. Uh, that we would hold it dear. That we would... That we would fight for it. Lord, we fight for our families. We love our families. But do we fight for the gospel? Uh, Lord, at the same time, I pray that you would help us to be loving in how we do that. That we wouldn't just be uh, mean people who are cruel in how we uh, just lash out at anyone who has false teaching. That's, that's not what we want. But we do want to be loving and, and courteous and kind and how we properly say what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us at Fairmont Baptist Church to be faithful with the gospel. Lord, if there are those even in this room, I don't want to presume that anyone knows for sure that they, they, that they are Christians, that they are born again. Uh, Lord, there might be those in this room who have never uh, believed in Jesus Christ, who have never repented of their sin. Uh, Lord, who maybe have been around uh, that they've seen the miracles like these Israelites, they've seen the miracles, they've heard the teaching, but they've never had that relationship with Jesus. I pray that if there are those in this room who have never done that, that they would seek me out or someone that they know uh, who is a Christian who can help them and understand that they need to repent of their sin and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to reach out with that message. Uh, Lord, to, to our co-workers, to our family, to our friends, Lord, to our neighborhood. Uh, as we've talked about many times, we want to be a neighborhood church. And even through VBS and things like this, that we would reach out to them with the gospel in hand and the gospel in our life. And that we would show them that, yes, this door is narrow and you must believe these specific things in order to be a follower of Jesus. But anyone can. And as uh, Jesus said, Whosoever will, uh, they will be saved.
Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to be faithful in how we reach out with that message, that we would live in light of that beautiful gospel that is exclusive, but also inclusive, and that it includes us, us who believe. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to contend for that faith. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.